the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. Now, as most of you probably already know this, but I grew up in New England. And when I was in high school, I know it's a bit of a shock. <laughs> My accent doesn't give it away at all. But when I was in high school, I actually lived in New Hampshire, and I loved to ski. One of my best friends in high school, Alex, and I would go skiing any chance we had. We would even skip school on multiple occasions just to go skiing. And during our senior year, as the ski season was just about to end, we wanted to get one more trip in. It was about mid-April, so the weather was starting to warm up a bit. Most of the areas had started to close because all the snow was melting. But there was one place, one of our favorite places in Vermont. Let's see if I get this to work. There we go. Killington, it was in Killington, Vermont. But that was always open because it was known to be one of the first ones to open for the season and one of the last ones to close. So we decided to get that last trip in. We'd take the four-hour trek to get there. It meant we needed to get up at 3 a.m. so we could be on the road by 3.30 in order to get there before the lifts open. See, him and I, we were kind of nerds that way that we want to be one of the first ones in the lift line and then also one of the last ones down at every day. So we want to get there at least a half hour before the lifts actually open so we had enough time to gather our gear and get ready. Now, I don't know if any of you have ever skied in New England in the springtime, but the trails are usually icy in the morning but as it warms up, it becomes softer and heavier. And the best way I can describe it is like skiing in mashed potatoes. So we skied all day, and after the lifts closed, we'd pack up our gear, and we headed out for our four-hour journey home. But it had been a long day, so we decided before we got onto what they called the highway up there, which was really just a winding two-lane road that wound its way through the mountains, we decided to stop to get some pizza. So we finished our pizza, now we're full from pizza, tired from skiing all day and being up at 3.30 a.m. It was probably about five or six o'clock at night by now. We still had four hours to go. So we got onto this highway that winded through the mountains. And on one side was the mountain, and on the other side was a drop off about 150 to 200 feet down to a river rushing with ice cold water. Now I don't know how long we were into the drive, before I fell asleep. I wasn't driving at the time, so that was okay. <coughs> but shortly after that, my friend Alex, who was driving, fell asleep also. And as we started to drift into the other lane and about to go off the road, something woke me up. I saw the trees and the cliff coming at us, but I couldn't speak. But thanks be to God, whatever I did or whatever God did at that point, woke Alex up too. And he was able to swerve into, back into our own lane, and thanks be to God, there was no cars coming at us also. So we got back into the uh, lane. Now at this point, the adrenaline was pumping and did not wear off, and for the next four hours, we were both <laughs> wide-eyed. I don't think either of us blinked the entire ride home. Now the reason I share this is for years, him and I would joke about this story and how it was kind of dumb luck that we didn't end up in the river that day. 
But as I reflected on this event over the years, I truly now believe that it was God that saved us that day. However, at the time, in the years that that actually followed, I actually had drifted away from God and could not see he had been, how he had been and was still working in my life, even though I had gone away from him. And then I could not recognize what he was doing in my life. See, we need to remember that God will frequently act through what seem like natural or random events. And if we wait for that big lightning bolt or that big aha moment to guide us or heal us or save us, we'll miss the apparently ordinary means that God will use, like a map to guide us or a doctor to heal us or just a gentle nudge to wake us up while we're sleeping and driving. And that's one of the points that our reading in Hebrews wants to get across today. We cannot ignore the very thing God is doing for us because it isn't what we had expected or perhaps even wanted. If we are always looking for that big moment, we'll miss out on the other ways God is working in our lives, especially in our times of trials and temptations. Now, if we look back at the very beginning of verse 1, There we go. Where it says, therefore we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. Now when I read this, I got a picture of a boat in the ocean drift, drifting uncontrollably. Now I don't know if any of you have watched that show, The Deadliest Catch, about the crabbing industry up in the Bering Sea, which is known for its harsh conditions and brutal storms. And the fishing vessels on the show are constantly being pushed and bounced around by waves that sometimes range from 20 to 40 feet, even 60 feet high. But if the captain's not paying close attention to those waves and keeping a firm grip on the rudder and throttle of that boat, that boat will be easily bounced around and most likely capsized, killing everybody. Now that can be the same for us. But instead of those waves of the ocean, it can be just life that bounces us around and causes us to drift uncontrollably. Those waves could be the pressure of work, family life, friends, or social media, nowadays the news or politics, addictions, and so on. There are so many things in the world trying to push us away, push us one way or another, but also most importantly, they're trying to push us away from God. And the only way we can weather that storm is to keep a firm grip on the rudder which is keeping our focus on God. And if we don't keep our focus on God and what he has already done for us through the death and resurrection of Jesus, we can easily be consumed by the sin and injustice that rages around us like the angry sea. We will be consumed by that angry sea if we don't pay attention and go deeper in our walk with God. But there also is a warning in that for us as Christians it is all too easy to suppose that we can take the pressure off and allow other people to do the praying, the thinking, the serious business we all and will just go along for the ride. If we begin to think like this, we'll stop putting much effort into our walk and we will go with the flow. The problem is if we do not have our own motor running, so to speak, and our own hand on our own rudder, we may drift further and further away without even realizing it. But we can prevent this from happening. 
It's going to take some effort on our part, and it may also be uncomfortable at times. That brings me to my, my first question. How can we keep from going adrift? The easiest thing to do, we can spend more time studying and reading the Bible. It's important to spend time alone reading and meditating on the scriptures. But also remember, as the old Bible verse says, that iron sharpens iron. So it is important also to spend time in a Bible study or in a group setting with others. Now, you can do this easily by joining one of the groups that's studying Ezra right now, or you could join community Bible study. Those are just a couple options. There's many others. But remember, as we read the Bible and take it in, there's one thing to remember. The gospel is and might be challenging, but it is also a life-changing thing. And another way that we can keep from going adrift is to spend time in prayer. Set time aside each day to pray. Block out that time each and every day. Pick a time that works best and commit to that time. And don't let other things encroach on that sacred time. Or if you already have that time set up, maybe add one of the daily offices into your spiritual disciplines. If you already do that, that's great. How about adding another one? Either do morning and evening or adding compline at the end of the day before you go to bed. Now these are just a few examples we can all follow to keep us from drifting too far. So we need to take an inventory of our spiritual life and see what area we may be drifting or what area needs to be strengthened. But as we do this, we will be challenged in some way. Now God may lead us somewhere or call us to something that may make us very uncomfortable or it may be challenging to us. But we must remember the gospel is challenging but it will also change your life. And as we grow, God will call us to new things. Because God doesn't want us just to stay where we're at. He wants us to be continually growing in our walk with him. So what is God calling you to do? And as we stay in tune with God, he will call us to something. Let's face it. The world now is in need of the life-giving word of the gospel, and we are called to spread that message of the gospel in the world. Rather, remember that we cannot just coast or go with the flow, or we will drift from the blessing and miss out on seeing how God works in our lives and in the lives of others. You see, the mission field is ripe, but is in desperate need of workers. And that mission field is all around us. It's just outside these doors, right outside those windows. The community around us is in need of hearing the gospel and seeing and feeling the love of Jesus. Now in your devotional prayer time, include some quiet time to sit and listen to the Lord. Truly listen to where God is calling you. Now he, there's a good chance he'll call you to something that may not be what we think we should be doing. But we need to put aside our own biases or whatever it is that we think we should do and put that aside and truly listen to what God is calling us to do. And when he does call you to something, we need to respond, no matter what it is. 
it may take you out of your comfort zone, and most likely it will be to something out in the world. See, God doesn't call us just to come to Mass once a week and then do nothing else the rest of the week. It's also rather difficult to spread the message of the gospel sitting here in a pew or a chair. We need to get out into the world, and yes, that could be very uncomfortable. But when we become too comfortable, we tend to lose focus and pay less attention to the message of the gospel. Then we will begin to drift and fall into temptation. But I don't want you to get discouraged if you do drift, because we all do. Or if you're tempted by the world, it may fall into some type of suffering. You remember that Jesus also was tempted and suffered when he took on human flesh. If we look back at verse 17 and 18, where it says, Therefore he had to be made like his brothers in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiations for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, and he is able to help those who are being tempted. So let's face it, it's impossible for us to really understand someone else's sorrows or sufferings unless we've been through some of those same, same things ourselves. Jesus has been through the same sorrows and sufferings and temptations that we have. So he can sympathize with our pain and sufferings. He has been through those so he can help us in our time of need. I think one great example of this is recently we started an AA group here on Wednesday nights. And one of the things that I see as making AA so successful is that it's led and run by people who have struggled with addiction. Now, if someone who had never battled with addiction ran the group, how successful do you think it would be? I'm guessing it probably might not be as successful as it is when it's run by somebody who's been, so to speak, in your shoes also. So why not seek Jesus out, who has been through pain, suffering, and temptations like we have? Jesus knows how difficult it is to fight against the evil forces of the world. So who is better to equip to help us when we begin to drift? Who better to help us through our trials, pain, suffering, and temptations? We are all going to go through some trials and temptations that are going to cause us to drift maybe a little to the right or to the left. But when, we find your, when you find yourself in one of those situations, Lean into Jesus, and don't let go of that rudder. Using the ship analogy once again, right the ship. Get it back on course. Get our focus back on God so we don't miss the ways that God is already working in our lives. And what better way to share the gospel than our testimony of God working in and through us in our temptations and sufferings. In the name of the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.